0: Tom, I want to read up front a passage from Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. It says, So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, For I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. I want to preach a message today titled, Noah, Outstanding Walk and woodwork. Outstanding walk and woodwork. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the work of Jesus Christ. I thank you that it's because of his finished work that, Lord, we can be right and righteous before you. We thank you for his blood that cleanses, that declares better things over us, about us, about our future. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to hearts, enlighten minds. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Make much of Jesus. Continue, Lord Jesus, to build your church, to build your people. We thank you the gates of hell will not prevail. We surrender this time to you. Help us focus in on you. I acknowledge my dependency upon you, Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Amen. The time of Noah was both a unique and yet time similar to today. It was similar in that you had corruption and violence and wickedness and people hurting people. And yet it was unique for men and women live longer. In fact, much longer. For example, when Noah was born, his father was 182 years young. Young, you say? Yes, I told you that the days of Noah were unique. He was 182 years young because he lived to be 777 years old. That means he had lived just over one-fourth of his life, or 25%, Of his lifespan when he had Noah. So, in today's percentage, it would be similar to having a son in your 20s if you lived to be 80. Noah's father was a man named Lamech, and Lamech lived on the earth with his son Noah 595 years.
1: Imagine that. What kind of relationship they had. He's, you know. 700 years old,
0: (laughs) Noah's up there himself. What kind of conversation does that look like of a father to a son? What a unique, unique time it was. And yet we see parallels
1: of how there has something that has went wrong in mankind. We see it even today, this bent of... What comes out of us and through mankind
0: still bringing such harm and destruction and sin multiplying on the earth. Noah's grandfather was Methuselah. And Methuselah lived on the earth with his grandson Noah 600 years. Imagine that. See, living long in a godly world is wonderful but living long in a grievous world is wearisome. Living long, when I think about the story in Genesis of Noah and his generations and his dad and his grandfather Methuselah, I think about that if you're living long in a godly world, that's wonderful. But living long in a grievous world can be very wearisome. In fact, even God who created the world and those who inhabited it He himself became wearisome of what mankind was doing on the earth. In fact, we see this in Genesis 6 and verse 5. Now, as we turn to Genesis 6 and verse 5, let me say beforehand that Jesus Christ, the only one who died and rose again, never to die again, believed in Noah.
1: Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, he believed in the days of Noah. Did you know
0: that Jesus Christ himself believed in the flood? So we're not reading a myth here. We're reading an account, a historical account, that Jesus Christ himself believed in, spoke of. It's very important that we realize that this morning. In Genesis 6, and verse 5, it said, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I have made them. Verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Means mature, blameless. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I used to get confused because I grew up when I was a young kid watching the Three Stooges. And there was Shem, you know, who was a part of it. So when I read this story, I would think of that. But Shem, Ham, and Japheth, so don't get confused this morning if you're a Three Stooges fan. But the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Verse 12, So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth, and God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Notice. God says that the earth is filled with violence through them. That it was through mankind that wickedness and violence and difficulty was upon the earth. So we see in this story of Noah that through mankind the world becomes filled with violence and wickedness and it's through a man the world will come to rest from its striving, violence, and wickedness. Through a man, a flood will be brought in on the world. A world that's already flooded with ungodliness through ungodly persons. This man is named Noah. And Noah means rest. It seems apparent that there was a prophetic revelation concerning him around the time of his birth. For his father says in Genesis 5 and 28, Lamech lived 182 years and he had a son. And he called his name Noah saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toll of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Notice this. There's this prophetic declaration about Noah that through his life will come this rest.
1: That where there's been work that has been cursed, Noah will lead to this
0: clear rest. In Genesis 6 and 13, we continue to read, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. There's actually been amazing uh, experiments and scientific uh, experiments done by people in different universities of the perfect scale and the dimensions when it comes to a vessel being able to survive a, a severe storm. Uh, These are people that are not necessarily even Bible-believing, but have done research uh, on these type of dimensions. Verse 17, And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you. You shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Here is God, and He's looking upon the earth. When the Lord saw the wickedness of man upon the earth, He was grieved and determined coming judgment. But when the Lord saw Noah on the earth, His eyes were full of grace towards Him. The world walked in wickedness, therefore they found in the eyes of Lord judgment. But Noah walked in integrity, and he walked with God, therefore he found in the eyes of the Lord grace. Now, this is important because this theme is carried throughout Scripture. This theme you see in Genesis is carried throughout Scripture. In fact, even one of the apostles of the New Covenant, Peter, carries this theme all the way into his epistles. That God looks upon the earth and He sees the righteous and He sees the unrighteous. He sees the wicked and those that are right with Him through faith and walk with Him and have a relationship with Him. You see this theme that God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. In fact, all throughout Scripture, there's this overarching theme that the righteous shall remain on the earth, but one day the wicked shall be removed. I want to tell all of us today, and especially fathers, that what we do on the earth matters. That what we do matters in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis 6, 8, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord tells him to build. The Lord tells him what to build. The Lord tells him how to build. It's amazing because Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord and then it empowers him to build. See, listen, grace is for a purpose. If you're a father today, if you're a person here and you have found in the eyes of the Lord grace, that grace that we have found in the eyes of the Lord is for a purpose. It's not grace that's to be received in vain. It's a grace that is for a purpose. It is a grace to build something that's near and dear to the Lord's heart. It's a grace to build something that would even benefit those closest to us, that would benefit our home and our family. See, Noah was 500 years old when he begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth, according to Genesis 5.32. And Noah was 600 years old when he entered the ark and the floodwaters came upon the earth. Now when God speaks to Noah and tells him to build an ark, he references Noah's children, and he references that the children are married and that they have wives, which means apparently Noah had no more than 100 years. To build the ark. A hundred years. Here's a man named Noah, and he had an outstanding walk. What was so outstanding about it is that he didn't walk like all the other people around him. See, what makes something outstanding is that it's not common. It's not the norm. It's distinct from the common ways things are done. That's what makes it outstanding. And And Noah had this outstanding walk that allowed him to then have some outstanding work. See, I find it so interesting because as a male and as a husband and as a father and as a minister to other males and fathers, I have seen this theme in the lives of men and fathers about how much men valued their work. You see this significance oftentimes that males find in achievement and what they put their hands to. But what stands out to me in this story about Noah is Noah had an amazing achievement. He had an amazing work. But his work flowed out of first his outstanding walk. What it says something to us is that for us to actually as men and even all of us as people created in the image of God, To ultimately find rest in our heart and to find a sense of significance and value in our heart, it has to be rooted deeper than our work. It has to be rooted in our walk. It was Noah's outstanding walk that led to him having outstanding work before God. I don't know about you, but with one life to live in this age... I don't want to have outstanding work just in the eyes of others. I want to have outstanding work in the eyes of the Lord. That if, and if we're going to have outstanding work in the eyes of the Lord, we see an important theme here in the life of Noah, is that he first had an outstanding walk. I want to tell some young males in here today, I want to tell some young men here today who's maybe even not even married yet and not a father yet that as you try to get people around you in this church or in society or at your job to, to see your giftedness and to see your talent and you want others to approve your significance and your competency, I want to warn you first from getting your eyes and your ears so focused on what others would validate and see about you. That first, the priority we see in the life of Noah before focusing on having others value our work as outstanding is getting an outstanding walk. That getting first character and getting integrity and getting a base of intimacy with the Lord. I just want to encourage some people, maybe even you're old and haven't found it yet, men or women. I want to encourage some people to understand the priority first if you're going to find rest for what your heart longs for, is to get an
1: outstanding walk with God. An outstanding walk with God. Then we can have outstanding work in God. Every day Noah worked on building the ark. The apostle Peter said he was a preacher of righteousness.
0: By now you should know in this community as we seek to manifest and model holistic discipleship and a holistic community of holding the tension of methods and things that God's ordained for His people, you should by this point understand in this community there's not just one preacher. (laughs) That we are all preachers. That we are all... Proclaiming something as the dwelling place of God, as the people of God. That there's not just one preacher in a pulpit on a stage, but we are all preachers and all making a declaration by what we do daily. And when Peter talks about the life of Noah, he said that daily he was preaching righteousness. Second Peter 2 and 5, he says, God did not spare the ancient world, But save Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Here he is with every tree cut. I cut some trees down this week just to feel like Noah.
1: (laughs) Should have sharpened my blade before I did, but it's a free workout. But with every tree cut,
0: every log chiseled, every board fastened, He's preaching that this world is under judgment and is passing away. With every sore muscle and every callous finger and every 10-hour day, he's preaching that God is going to create a new earth where righteousness dwells and the righteous flourish and the wickedness is removed. I want to ask us this morning, how can your work, be a way for you to declare God's righteousness?
1: How can your work be a way that you preach and declare God's righteousness? In fact, in 1 Peter
0: 3 20, it says that in the days of Noah, there was the long suffering of God, waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. It's amazing because, listen, God could have built the ark. He could have built the ark in a blink of an eye, but He desired it to be built through a man since it was through mankind that the world was filled with dissipation. As man dissipate, the word dissipate means to be scattered in various directions. You heard of scatterbrained? Well, listen, all mankind became scatterbrained by sin. They were scattered in various directions serving themselves and in wickedness and they had lost sight of the sole focus
1: of why we are created to live in fellowship with our God and Creator. God wants to work through a man to resolve what has came through man. I want to tell you today that where dissipation,
0: unrighteousness, or ungodliness has came through mankind,
1: maybe men and women at your workplace, maybe men and women in your neighborhood. That God then wants to work through us, men and women, to bring righteousness
0: to those areas. That when we think about how can such Hurt and evil happen on the earth. Why does God sit back? He he doesn't sit back. He created you. And when God sees wickedness that has came through mankind on the earth, He looks for a man and a woman. He looks for a person who will allow them to let God work through them to bring His righteousness, to bring His character, to bring the work of His Spirit to an area. That's why you're here today. That's why you're on the earth today. So God waits with long-suffering and patience as Noah builds the ark. God waits with with long-suffering and patience for someone like Noah who will, through their work, declare day after day God's righteousness in that field of work. God waits patiently and He suffers long as He waits for one of us who says, you know what, I'll be a vessel to partner with God and to preach His righteousness, to preach His goodness, to preach His love and His grace and His character in this line of work, in this sphere of work, in this field of work. Genesis 6, 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want to use this phrase for our remaining time, found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and use it for a New Testament application. When you look at the life of Noah and you think about him having an outstanding walk and having outstanding woodwork, I see two major components, two major themes of why he had an outstanding walk and why he had outstanding woodwork. And those two uh,
1: themes were focus and diligence. Focus and diligence. When you think about focus, notice he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But for him to find something in the eyes of the Lord,
0: he's had to learn to focus his eyes on the Lord. You see in Noah this New Testament application as all the Old Testament was given to bring instruction and admonition to us who live in the days we live in. See, to find something in the eyes of the Lord means you are looking at the eyes of the Lord. You see in Noah his ability to stay focused, to not be scatterbrained and dissipation like the world around him, but he had this ability to stay focused He had learned to keep his eyes on the Lord. Now what's interesting with Noah is that Noah did not just have to do this for his generation. Like when you study about the life of David, it said that David served God in his generation, singular. But when you look at the life of Noah, the Bible says that he walked with God for generations, plural. He was perfect in his generations because he lived so long. What you see here is an amazing focus, because how many of you know that with each generation things change? Like it's interesting now, ESPN and places, they'll, they'll get these upcoming basketball stars or sports ath- ath- athletes, and they'll play like the 80s game with them, sometimes the 90s, and they'll take gadgets and items that were popular in the 80s and, and 90s, and they'll ask this new athlete who's 19 years old, 20 years old, to describe or name what it is. And it's amazing because they won't know. They won't know about the phones that most of us grew up with. They know iPhones. They don't know the, the phones that you got to use your finger and circle around. You ever seen the video of the, the young high schoolers and how long it takes them to try to figure out how to use one of those rotary phones back in the day? In fact, if you find one of those at a yard sale, pick it up. Common, colors, black, $25, they go for. Red will sell for $100. Just trying to help you live missional and give to the building campaign. So listen, with the changing of times, generations change. Habits, priorities change. But with all the generations and the changes that took place, Noahs remained focused. His eyes remained on the Lord. Gadgets changed, but his gaze didn't change. For generations he walked with the Lord. Things came and went, but his focus remained. Now think of all that was happening around him that he could have looked at instead of remaining focused. I mean, there's all kinds of wickedness. There's all kinds of injustice. There's all kinds of ungodliness. The Bible says it was like a flood of wickedness upon the earth. Not just a little, but everywhere you look, you saw corruption and and evil and hurt and pain. And yet in all his generations, Noah remained focused, having his eyes on the Lord. Think about it. Every time Noah looks at the violence and flood of dissipation around him, God waits. Righteousness waits. Every time Noah gets distracted and begins to focus on what others are or aren't doing, God waits. His family waits. Every time Noah is distracted by the wickedness of others, his focus is on that which is going to pass away. Every time Noah is distracted by the walk of others, his focus is off of his own walk. In fact, I think about what Dr. James Richards says. See, when we are
1: distracted... It's easy to become judgmental because judgmental people, listen, are distracted
0: people. In fact, Dr. James Richards says this, and I quote, judgment is a tremendous defense mechanism. Those who live in judgment always keep their focus on others in order to avoid
1: dealing with their own issues. We think today it's so easy to focus on the wickedness and the wrong and the
0: tension and what's taking a place on the world. Imagine Noah. Generation after generation, he's tempted with the same thing. A world that is filled with corruption, and yet you see while he had, why he had an outstanding walk with God and why he had an outstanding work in God is he had this Ability to remain focused. His eyes stayed on the Lord. He didn't get distracted of what was happening around him. See, listen, if Noah were to stay distracted, the ark is never completed. And if the ark is never completed, those that he can save, those that he can rescue, those that he can influence, come on, those that he can would not be safe and spared. See, if he stays distracted with judgment on those around him, and the ark is not finished? Listen, he brings judgment on himself. You see this New Testament application because the Apostle Paul, later in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he writes to the church of Jesus Christ under the new covenant to you and I, and he says, listen, transformation happens as we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord not all the wrongs around us, not all the wickedness around us. And because what you focus on, you'll become like. That's why Psalms 1 starts off. It says if you want to get to experience the blessedness of the Lord, a life empowered by the Lord, then you better watch sitting with the scoffers. You better walk, watch where you walk and who you walk with because what you focus on will begin to affect you. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he doesn't deny that there's a lot of wrong things happening. He doesn't deny there's a lot of wickedness on the earth. But he says, if you want to be changed, to be transformed, to possibly have an outstanding walk that leads to outstanding work, he says, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory of glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's as we behold the Lord as in a mirror. That the more we look at the Lord, the more it's like looking in a mirror. We begin to then be transformed into that same image. I want to tell some people today that this is maybe a difficult day for you. You think of your father. You think about the image of your father. Pastor Craig already made clear there's only one perfect Father, and He's God Almighty, the everlasting Father revealed through Jesus. But it's so easy on, for those of us where this day is difficult to get our eyes focused on the wrong that our Father did, our earthly Father. I want to tell you, don't fall into that trap. Because in each generation, there's been those who said, I'll never be like my Father but because they got so consumed in judgment and fixed on their father, they actually became like the very thing that they're focused on. And that's why you find in Noah, the New Testament application,
1: No, we're called to focus on the Lord, that our eyes are to be on the Lord. I think about times before it was a law in Georgia where you can't have the cell phone
0: touching any part of you. I didn't know what to do the other day. I had it fall on on the on the the footboard on the car, and I'm like, "Well, it can't touch me," but I got to touch the gas pedal on the brake. I mean, it was a moment of great tension. I didn't know what to do. There wasn't a law for that situation. But I think about times driving before it was a law, and my wife would be beautiful wife at the passenger, and kids be on the back, and phone would beep or pop or alert and look at it. You know what she say? Eyes on the road. And I think about how we all need that. And that's what the ministry of the Holy Spirit's doing in our hearts and minds today and needs to do continually, is that it's so easy for us to get distracted about the alerts and the world and what's happening over there and the wickedness and the difficulty and the pain and the sorrow and all of this. And the Holy Spirit comforts and, and hits us and said, no, 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 eyes on the Lord. Eyes on the Lord. See, listen, I want to encourage some men and encourage you today. Listen, you do not have to be great according to the world standards to be involved in something significant. If you can just learn to be great at keeping your eyes on the Lord, you will experience significance. Your heart will come to a place of rest because as you keep your eyes on the Lord, you'll find that there's an empowerment in the Lord to have an outstanding walk with the Lord. So eyes on the Lord then, eyes of the Lord. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. As Noah lived through all the generations and stayed, kept his eyes focused on the Lord, he was able then to see what was in the eyes of the Lord. And in the eyes of the Lord towards Noah, he finds grace. Do you know what grace is? It's the empowerment of God's Spirit. It's a supply that you and I could never create on our own or access on our own. It's God freely providing empowerment in things that we need. And he finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. He finds empowerment there. And then he finds the grace and the empowerment for what his role is to be in God's plan. He finds grace and empowerment for him to be effective in the sphere that God's called him to be. He finds grace and empowerment to build an ark an ark for him and his wife and his sons and his son's wife. He finds empowerment, grace there to influence the walk of those
1: that he was called to influence and to find and to be on his ark, his family. You know what else he finds when he's looking in the eyes of the Lord? He finds grace to suffer long and to be patient. Why?
0: Because remember, the Lord's looking down on earth at all of the wickedness and all of the corruption and all of the ungodliness and the injustice, and yet the Lord is waiting patiently and the Lord is with long suffering. And so, as the Lord looks upon the earth with long suffering and patience, and Noah sees in the eyes of the Lord, guess what he sees? He sees grace to suffer long and to be patient. Noah also is having to be patient. Noah also is having to suffer long. Why? In the process of building the ark. It could have been close to 100 years. But as long as Noah keeps his eyes on the Lord's eyes, Noah sees in the Lord patience and long suffering. The very thing Noah needs in the process of building an ark. Fathers, I want to tell you today, we need some patience and long-suffering in building an ark for our children to be trained and raised in the ways of God and dealing
1: with them and patience in the four million questions. But as long as we keep our
0: eyes on the Lord, we'll find in the eyes of the Lord
1: grace and empowerment to be patient, to suffer long. Listen, it's the same for your work. It's the same for what God has you doing. It's the same for that
0: field and that career and that workplace where you're to be a preacher of righteousness. That if you'll keep your eyes on the Lord, you'll find grace to empower you to be able to preach and declare the righteousness of God by how you live in that business, in that career, in that field. See, listen, how did Noah know what to do? Noah only knew what to do as he kept his eyes on the Lord. And as he kept his eyes on the Lord, he saw in the eyes of the Lord
1: An ark. And he not just saw an ark, he saw how to build the ark. And he saw the way to build
0: the ark. See, listen, we all don't see the same thing in the eyes of the Lord because we're all just a member of the body of Christ and we have different gifts, we have different passions. So you only know the specific role you're to play. In this community, in the kingdom of God, as you see it in the eyes of the Lord. Because grace is there, and guess what spiritual gifts are called? Grace gifts. Cherished gifts. Guess what the specific ministries of the Lord are called? Grace ministries. And it's only as we see in the Lord, our unique way that He shaped us, given us spiritual gifts, Used our life story and our experience and formed us to the specific part of the building process that we're to play in. Now, this is very important because you got to understand in Noah's day, an ark had never been built. In fact, most are in the consensus is that it had never rained at this point from the heavens down, that the Lord still watered the earth from from with beneath and it came up and from the dew of heaven. So Noah, how does Noah know to do something that he's never saw before? Because his eyes are on the Lord, and in the eyes of the Lord, he sees his specific role, his specific giftedness. He sees how the Lord wants him to have outstanding work and what he's to put his hands to. He begins to find the uniqueness of what he's created in God to play in the work of God. So the Lord tells him to build, what to build, how to build. What do we see? Grace is for a purpose. Grace is to build what the Lord wants to build. And fathers, we also are called to build an ark for our family. We are called to build a context for our children to know the way to the new heavens and the new earth. The way named Jesus. That Jesus alone is the way to a new earth and a new heaven where there is no wickedness, where only righteousness
1: flourishes, where peace is abounding where a lion lies down with a lamb.
0: I can imagine as Noah now knows, because he's seen in the eyes of the Lord, the ark and what he's to put his hands to. And Noah's out there working day after day, preaching righteousness, preaching that this current world's passing away, and we're waiting for a new world where righteousness and, and justice flourish and, 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 and grace abounds. And, He tells other people as he's building, hey, you ought to build yourself an ark.
1: You you ought to start building your family an ark. He begins to tell them, but listen, he can't build it for them.
0: Noah can preach righteousness, but he can't do righteousness for others. He, He can't build an ark for them. He can preach it. He can demonstrate it. He can encourage them. But he can't do it because if he starts building others in ark, he loses focus from the ark he's got to build. If he gets distracted on trying to do everything else for everybody else, then he no longer sees the grace in the eyes of the Lord to be empowered for what he's to do. Proverbs 17, 24 says, Wisdom, everybody say wisdom, is in the sight of him who has understanding
1: but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. We think we're wise when we know everything that's happened on the earth today. The spirit of wisdom says that's foolish. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, and I can take heat for it and I'm fine with it, but I'm going to tell you, not all, but a lot of
0: the anxieties that Jesus warned would be in the last days, Is because we have access to so much information globally that for generations people could never access that much. And we are not wired to be able to be scatterbrained, meaning have our eyes on all of the wickedness, all of the wrong, all that's happening, and still stay focused on the Lord and find grace there for where we're at.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead and clap. Don't hold back. (laughs) Give the Lord praise. See, I, I wish I could solve every need on the planet, but I can't. I'm not Savior. I'm not Almighty.
0: I can only do what I find in the eyes of the Lord, His grace to empower me to do. And every time Noah gets distracted, and he loses focus on, on, on what's happening around him. Listen, he loses focus on what he's to put his hands to. And God waits. The new earth waits. So We see and key to Noah's outstanding walk and outstanding woodworking is focus. Then we see it allows diligence. Stay focused, stay diligent. Let me talk to you about diligence. The text of the story in Scripture says that Noah built an ark and he built an altar. He built an ark and he built an altar. He built a walk with God and he built a life of working with God. Fathers, we would be wise to do the same. Fathers, we would be wise to build habits in our life that keep us focused on Jesus, that keep us focused on the Lord that helps keep our eyes on the Lord, that then enables us to be diligent in the grace that the Lord empowers us
1: for and what to do. You see, this diligence in the life of Noah, he walked with God. He walked with God. And a New Testament application for you and I here today is that when we
0: walk with God like Noah did, we find what Noah means. Noah means rest. When we walk with God like Noah did, we find what Noah means. We find rest. Why? Listen, because our walk is based on our focus. I saw, well, I didn't see a lot of you because I came in right at time to start worshiping.
1: But I see week after week, most of you walk in here. And I've never seen any of you walking in here backwards like this. Why? Because you walk after your focus. Noah was able to be diligent in walking
0: with God because he had learned to keep his eyes on the Lord
1: and to stay focused on what he saw in the eyes of the Lord. And because our walk is based on our focus, if our focus is on the eyes of the Lord, we will find in the eyes
0: of the Lord His grace. And His grace is what empowers our walk. So staying focused leads to staying diligent. Diligent in our walk with God because of the focus of our eyes on God. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says we should stay, be diligent to enter that rest that we should diligently seek to find this rest. It is to be out of resting, secure in our walk with God, that we are empowered to work with God. Listen, when we have an experience that rest that Noah signifies in our heart, then we start working and doing a lot of things to try to find only what a relationship and an intimate relationship of walking with God can provide. We start trying to find rest and significance in what we do instead of whose we are. That behold what manner of love the Father bestows on us. That now we are the children of God. It's out of that rest of walking with
1: God that we are then empowered to work with God. Because it's difficult to be diligent in our walk if we are walking in our own human power and ability. So as he diligently walks with God, he experiencing a rest. He's no
0: longer seeking to find significance and approval, validation in his accomplishments and in the outward. His heart's at rest finding all of that in his walk with God. Now and only now is he in a safe place to be empowered to work with God. Because now his work is not working for God. It actually is working with God. It's flowing out of his walk with God. See, if if we have a walk with God, then we can work with God. When we don't have a consistent walk with God, we start trying to work for God. Let me just humbly remind all of us today,
1: He's God! He ain't impressed with my work? Are you kidding me? He's not impressed. He's God. So He's not wanting us to impress
0: Him with our work. He's wanting us to work with Him.
1: And it's flowing out of our walk with Him. When we walk with God, it is from the
0: rest of God that we are empowered to work with God. I'll say it again. When we walk with God, it is from the rest of God that we are empowered to work with God. We seek from just having our own works to experience working with God. The writer of Hebrews speaks of this as no longer having our own works. It's like the Apostle Paul spoke of it. He said, we are now workers together with Him as though God were pleading through us. We're no longer living from ourselves, but we're living from faith in the ability and the sufficiency of the indwelling Spirit of Christ. 2 Peter 1 and verse 5 as the band comes. Notice what the Apostle Peter says. Who, the Apostle Peter who takes this theme that you find that God established in the days of Noah, and he carries it through both 1 Peter and 2 Peter. As Peter talks about how God still patiently waits for all to come to repentance. He wants none to perish. So he waits to perform and bring about the new heavens and the new earth. The Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 1.5 says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It goes on to say you will not be short-sighted. Short-sighted means you lose the ability to see long distance. It says, listen, diligent to add to our faith fathers each of you here today that has faith in Jesus Christ whether you're a father or not if you're a follower of Jesus Christ you've been brought to faith but you have to add to that faith the first thing Peter highlights here we see in the life of Noah that Noah added to his faith moral courage that's what virtue there is in the Greek. He adds to his faith moral courage. Why? Because everybody around him saying, No, it's never rained before. No, what are you doing? In fact, you're building an ark that's way too big for if it's just for you and your family. Oh, Noah, you're, what? Animals? The kinds, all the different kinds of animals are going to be on there? Come on, Noah. Come on. Come on. Noah has moral courage to add to his faith and to keep hammering and fastening and cutting trees and staying diligent to work with God. And then as he has that moral courage, he he needs more than moral moral courage. He's got to add then to the moral courage some knowledge. Because now he's got the moral courage to go and to cut the trees and to build the ark and keep building the ark. But he needs knowledge on how to build the ark. God said there's to be rooms. He needs the knowledge of what the rooms are. He needs the knowledge of how to do it. God said you got to put pitch on the inside and outside. Noah's got to add to his moral courage some knowledge. Then he's got to add to his moral courage and knowledge self-control. Why? Because Noah wants every person to build an ark. Noah wants everyone to come to repentance. Noah doesn't want any to perish. He would love for the wicked to repent. But if he doesn't add self-control, he'll start trying to do for others what God requires of them to do for themselves. He'll start trying to build for other families what God Says those families have to build for themselves. If he doesn't have self-focus, he'll not be able to stay focused on what he's to build. Some of us feel so overwhelmed because we're thinking, "Is the global circle my concern?" You mean the whole globe is my concern? No, it's not your concern. That's why some of us are so overwhelmed. God's not asking you to be the Savior of the global circle. He's asking you to keep your eyes on the Lord and what you find grace for in the eyes of the Lord to be faithful in that circle. self-control but he also needs beyond self-control he's got to add to that perseverance it's one thing for us as followers or us here today to get focused on the Lord for one season or for one day or for one year it's a whole nother thing to learn to persevere Staying focused on the Lord, staying focused on our circle. He has called us to build for, to influence, to serve. He's got to persevere in it. And persevere is this unique word that we like to sort of not give the full translation in the English because it's not persevering, gritting our teeth, and mumbling and complaining on the inside. No, no, it means cheerful endurance. Like Jesus, who cheerfully endured the cat of nine tails and the cross. He didn't once on the inside murmur say, I don't deserve this. He cheerfully endured for the joy set before Him. The joy of that now His Word can go forth and He can try and seek to draw you to Him. To forgive you. That your heart would come to find a rest. In the love of the Father revealed through Jesus. That you trying to earn through your works, right standing with your creator, you would come to a rest. And no, no, it's only through faith in the perfect work of Jesus Christ you can be made right with the heavenly Father. He perseveres. And it says... It's not enough. Then you got to add godliness. I'm persevering, Lord, but but I feel so empty. I I, I feel so sore. Day after day, I'm getting splinters and I'm getting calloused. I'm I'm getting weary. No, no, see, but you add to the perseverance, godliness, because you know what godliness is. It's obeying even when it's not convenient. It, it, it's obeying even when it hurts. Even when it takes longer than you thought. Even when it's not what all you thought was signing up for to follow Jesus. No, you, you, godliness is Jesus, and Jesus was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then, there's more you got to add to godliness, brotherly kindness imagine Noah as he's building the ark day after day, year after year and he's thinking through what God told him and he's trying to figure the, wait a minute God you didn't speak about my father oh no God you didn't speak about my grandfather the text says that Lamech had many more sons and children Noah's got cousins he's got half siblings, he's got brothers and sisters and Noah's thinking what What about them? And Noah's telling them, I think you should build an ark as well. I I think you should repent again.
1: And they're like, no, 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 God. No,
0: no, no. I'm not going to. See, he's got to add brotherly kindness. To still be kind when he understands that he can't control what others do. He can't control what others choose. just kind. just kind. See, maybe Methuselah and Lamech, maybe they already knew they didn't need to build an ark because they knew they would die before the ark. In fact, his dad died the year that the floods came. But then there was other siblings who didn't build an ark. And who knows if they persecuted Noah? Who knows what they did? But Noah had to have brotherly kindness to them. It's okay. If you don't want to build an ark, I can't make you build an ark. Brotherly kindness. Noah adding to his faith. You and I, as New Testament believers, were to add to our faith. Fathers, the ark is for our family. It's to be our focus. Fathers, our work is to be for our family. Therefore, our work shouldn't distract us from our family. It should be you so we can serve our family. Be diligent. Because I want to leave us with this. What you flood your life with determines what your life will be flooded with. What you flood your life with determines what your life will be flooded with. Flood your life keeping your eyes on the Lord and watch His eyes of grace be on you. Watch Him continue to come to places where you hurt, places where you need healing, places where you need transformation and watch you just keep having more grace upon more grace upon more grace lavished upon your life. Who wants your life flooded with His empowering grace of Jesus? Who wants their life flooded with the ability to work patiently and faithfully in what the Lord has for you? Who wants to see an ark of God's salvation perform for your life, for your family, for the circle God has called you to influence?